One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Telegraph. Telegraph. Podcasts. Hi there, podcast fans. I'm Tom Gibbs. Welcome to Telegraph Audio Football Club. Today, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer masterminds yet another win over Pep Guardiola with Manchester United's engine running nicely and Bruno Fernandes in the passenger seat. It's starting to look like Ole could be at the wheel for the foreseeable future. Liverpool scraped past Bournemouth for a much-needed win. The ongoing crisis at Spurs worsens further, but it's better news in other parts of London as Chelsea, Arsenal and Palace all get important wins. Plus, a tentative coronavirus chat, how that affected football on the continent this weekend, and Ronaldinho held at customs in Paraguay. Plus, don't forget, it's your last chance to sign up for a special offer for a half-price subscription to the Telegraph Sport website. A full year of access for less than the price of four pints if you're drinking in central London. Stick around until the end to hear more. Let's take you now into the audio recording facility where I'm joined, as tends to be the case, by Mina Rizuki. How are you, Mina? Oh, I'm all right. Um, my eyeballs are really itchy today. Your eyeballs mm. itchy? Just one of your eyeballs? Yeah, I just really want to get in there and just scratch, but please, I'm not allowed to touch Please my don't face. do that. If you're going to do that, make sure it's off mic. Okay. It would it'll be a horrible sound alongside her. JJ Bull, what's happening, JJ? Uh so many things. Had a great time. Just wiped out with a cold last week and then had a lovely weekend off. Great. Are yeah. you sure it was just a cold? Yes. Yeah. You're back in the game now. I am so on it. Really? Thanks to Wise Scout. Yeah. I've to watch all the football I fell asleep during. Oh, God bless Wise <laughs> Scout. Well, I fell asleep as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's easily done sometimes, especially with so few title races going on. Completing our lineup today, I'm pleased to welcome Julian Bennett. How are you, Julian? Very well. Thanks, Tom. Yourself? Yeah, very well indeed. Thank you. Thriving after the Manchester derby, uh, which I really enjoyed. Thought it was very low quality, but I really enjoyed watching it. Um, it was all City, really, for the first 25 minutes or so, and then United came into it. What changed, JJ? How did United deal with City and, and get back into the game? I think it was well. City kind of controlled the game. I didn't. I didn't think they played with any tempo really, and they didn't. Although they dominated the ball and had a lot of that, they didn't control the game. I thought United controlled the game out of possession and which is waiting to counter, which they're very good at doing, as we know. The weird thing about these Man United Man City games in the past has been that the uh, the expected goals early for this or straight into it. Ding. Yeah, has <laughs> uh, <laughs> been that. It, the game doesn't necessarily follow the way that the, the results should have turned out so it tends to be that mistakes decide it or just some random bit and it happens in derbies I think because these intangible things happen and, uh, so but, they were unlucky uh, no this game here exactly United domin- United should have won the game and they did obviously it was, the XG for this one was uh, United were 1.63 to City's 0.62 so that's about right the scoreline and uh, I think the 
the game reflected that. I thought United are decent. They're so much better with Bruno Fernandes in the team. I think Matic has been really good since he came back as well and they seem a bit more solid. But City lack a little something in some of these games and it's definitely... You can tell this is just a season they'd like to, to get rid of and start again next season. Yeah, I thought remarkable how little tempo, as you say, there was to City, how little penetration they had going forward. But a little bit more on United, Mina. Um, there's something quite fun about them at the moment for me. They're quite error-prone. They're a little bit naive and excitable. They're capable of some lovely football, especially after the goal and, and leading up to the first goal. They were playing some beautiful stuff. I especially enjoyed that Wambasaka little trick which got him past uh, Zinchenko at one point. Um, oh, he's been... He was amazing yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Um, but do, do you enjoy watching them? I love watching them. And it's really strange, actually, when I saw the... Because I don't, I don't have a... A horse to back in this um, and it was just sort of just going along merrily and then when Scott McDominay got that I was like oh wow that was amazing <laughs> and I don't know you just ended up sort of really being a United fan at the end of this like everyone celebrating together you know it's kind of like naivety coming together and uniting this one giant happy squad which is so funny when you remember what they were like under Jose Mourinho um, but it's a, it's amazing what happens when a team has a midfield um, and for so long Long, everyone was like, oh, they're not getting enough goals because, like, you know, Lukaku left and they didn't replace him adequately and all of this. And I kept saying all you needed was just a good midfield. And now they have Bruno Fernandes, who doesn't just think he's good. He thinks he's the best thing since sliced bread. And he plays that way. And and I feel like it just ha- makes everyone around him really happy. Fred seems to have this, like, connection with him. You've got Matic playing much better than usual. Martial looks like he's interested in running that bit more. And you can actually see his talent um, all the time, really. And just, just, just that free kick was stunning to watch. And... Yeah, they're just they're, they're an exciting team right now. It seems yeah. like they know what they are now as well. They yeah. know how to defend properly. That's like two goals conceded in 10 games, 24 scored. And if you're solid at the back and you realise that you could play on the counter like that when you've got Martial, James, Fernandez, they know what they are. They know how to win. And even though City and they know how to the suffer. Ball, they know how to suffer. And they, it never actually seemed like they are in all that much trouble yesterday, which yeah. has not been the case for a long, long time. I mean, Luke Shaw is a third centre-back that's working it seems very strange but it's brilliant at the moment he's good at that his body shape suits it that's the thing I wrote about with Shaw how he's moved to that uh, third centre-back slot but also when he plays at left-back it's another trend in the Premier League where the one, one of the full-backs turns into a centre-back as the other full-back gets high up the pitch so you've got that width in there and you can change the shape of your team one of the things that I think is good about United now is that they are better in possession, they're less prone to making errors in silly places, but that is because they have better players in the pitch rather than Andres Pereira or uh, just people like that who make these errors. Dan James is probably one of the weaker ones in the squad, but he brings something, he brings that pace. Mm. He's not quite there yet. Decision-making. Definitely decision-making, yeah. I mean, we talked about this in the podcast a few weeks ago, saying how it's the midfield, and uh, you can see that makes all the difference. I'm really glad that Solskjaer is starting to be getting some of the credit that... I don't think he's a great manager or a terrible manager. I think he's a solid coach, has a good team around him, and that's what you need to give you some, like a bed to build from, bring in better players, and lo and behold, you get a better team out of it. Yeah, you've been backing him all the way, JJ, in fairness. Uh, let's hear a little bit more about Bruno Fernandes. Uh, James Ducker was at Old Trafford and has this for us on why Fernandes has already won over the Manchester United fans. What an impact the, the Portugal midfielder is having. Um, you know they, they crave a bit of fantasy at Old Trafford and Fernandez is offering that his exquisite clip pass from a free kick over City's defence for Martial to volley home uh, for United's first goal was absolutely a reflection of that he's got bags of character and the sight of him putting his finger to his lips and telling Guardiola to shh 
In the final, in the, in the closing stages, in the final minutes of the game, will have delighted every United fan watching. They've been crying out for someone to stand up, to take charge, and show they mean business. In 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 Fernandez, is is very much filling that role. Solskjaer admits his arrival has gal- galvanised the place, and you only need to look around the team and see the uplift. It's been pretty marked. What about Manchester City, Julian? Uh... Some quite poor displays from them on the day. Edison um, looking comedic in a way that he really didn't at all this time last season. Uh, Zinchenko, not brilliant as a defender. Uh, Sterling seems in quite bad form as well. Are they just writing off the league a little bit at this point, do you think, City? It does feel like that Real Madrid tie is basically where it's at for them. Obviously, they've got a lead from that game, but... They're going to finish second in the Premier League. They're going to finish a very distant second and they're probably going to finish a reasonable way above above Leicester, probably in third. There's not that much on it for them now, is it? It's all about the Champions League and it didn't seem like there was that sense of jeopardy yesterday. It wasn't like we must win this to keep something alive. It was, we should just get through this game. Um, not playing Mares was a mistake. I thought he made a huge difference when he when he came on. Yeah, totally agree. Sterling, Sterling wasn't quite on it. I think it's 20 games now without a goal against Man United, which is just a very strange, quirky stat. Uh, Aguero, not quite fit but yeah Edison I guess it's a one-off he's he's clearly a very good goalkeeper and he's not been the source of that many of their issues this season but he did have a bit of a shocker Sterling's Sterling's an interesting one sorry Mina Um, in that because we were talking so highly of him earlier in the season when he was scoring goals but as you see with a lot of these forwards they they become better players when they are confident they only get that confidence being a better player by scoring in the first place and now now all of a sudden his finishing looks all out of sorts just like it has done before it's not some like mastery on the on the training ground that Guardiola's come up with or any of the coaching staff it's just that Sterling started scoring because he had some open goals to score made him more confident made him better and now that's gone all he really is bringing at the moment is a bit of pace in behind he can take people on the, on the wing so the defenders don't like playing against him but uh, you saw I thought Maris exactly what Julian said did so much more when he came on and Foden's definitely better in the central one of the cent- one of the eights rather than out in the, that, on the wing that for sure mm-hmm. yeah uh, he can definitely play out wide um, but he's not um He's better at working the tight spaces and, and slotting something through like David Silva rather than being the boy who takes on someone and goes past them on the wing. This is... Um, OK, so I have two things, like, well, three things to say about this. Sterling, just on just to cover this really quickly, I thought, firstly, he was really good against Real Madrid when he did come on. I do think Juan Bissaka did a great job for him. I thought that was really perfectly highlighted as well in Match of the Day. Uh, and the fact that he he's trying to do different things to get over and overcome his defence and that the markers on him, I thought, showed you that he's not someone to sort of set, step aside because he's not in a good form. He's still the guy that makes a difference, I think. Um, secondly, when it comes to Manchester City, this is my issue with them, is that there's a lack of variety in their team. They have a lot of players who do a lot of the same things, like Foden, David Silva, Bernardo Silva. Mares is something who is a little bit of a variety on what they have. And I, I think they need to have more of those players because if you have variety, then you can at, at times cause something different when you see what's in front of you or you can adapt to what is being played by your opponent. And that's my issue with with sometimes Guardiola side teams is that they all have really good players, but all sort of made from the same type of fiber. And so it becomes it, it becomes quite difficult uh, to try to change something. And then when there are moments that you need to suffer, because let's be honest, no attacking lineup, n- not even world class attacking lineups like Liverpool's or or Real Madrid's or whatever it was back in the day can do this for 90 minutes. So there are going to be moments where you need to suffer and where United showed us that they can do that. Manchester City can never have the luxury of just being like, all right, we're going to take a break, defence, try to do something because their defence is just so 
so shoddy. Um, as for the mental thing, I don't understand how you cannot be geared up for Manchester United, you know? Like, it's, yeah, okay, fine, you're not going to win a trophy, but you still have Real Madrid and you can't keep switching it back and forth. You can't be like, yeah, today we're not going to bother, but tomorrow we're going to really try. So they didn't not bother, though. I think it was maybe just missing that a little bit extra. And also, it might have been that they were also really, really cautious of United on the counter because it's exactly how United are going to score. But so isn't that exactly what Madrid will do? They'll play differently to United. They, they did well. look limp, didn't they, City? It seemed to there was a lot of diddling at about about forty yards from goal without a lot of invention and, and yeah. no no real threat that they were. But actually the United were sitting. Or score. United were sitting ready for that. I mean, it's, you know, sure, it's but a game City plan. should be able to manage a team doing that, shouldn't but, they? United played well, but City will struggle to break down the teams like Newport even at times when they sit back in that five because there's a block there and it's hard to get round. Mm. Well, and if then, I'm watching that, I'm going to be like, that's what I'll do now. Yeah, but they sometimes they, a lot of teams try and defend against them like that, and then like the the template last season for beating them was to play that kind of system that Leon did, where you you play with a back five, but you break with a forward three, like a five two three or five four one, whatever you want to call it. But you always press high up, and then you as soon as the ball goes past your press, you drop into a really low block. And United are excellent on the counter attack. They've obviously been built to play that way, and they don't. Although they can keep the ball and you can retain it. They are still built to do that. So City playing away have to be a bit cautious with their passing. They can't zip it about and try too much because the minute they do, then United counter them. And they're missing De Bruyne as well. It makes a big difference, I think, in the way that they pass. They had De Bruyne when they lost in the first time against United. Yeah, no, but every game's different, isn't it? But still, like yesterday, that they are, I think they, they would have missed the way he puts balls through the lines. And also, the fullbacks as well. You see the massive drop off of Zinchenko and yeah. Jao Cancelo, who's a £50 million player as well. They, they miss so much through that because those are the guys they want to get to the byline to cut it back. And mm. they just weren't doing that at all, basically. They're swinging balls in from. It's really weird because that's all that Cancelo did at Juve was reach that and do the. the <laughs> that was pretty and he much. This game is based on that, and he's not doing it. Maybe he'll be one of those second season players. Let's move on to Crisis Club Liverpool, who are no longer a Crisis (laughs) Club, uh, back on track despite going behind against Bournemouth. Not the most dominant performance, Julian, but this is one of those occasions where it was all about the result for Liverpool. Yeah, it was relief, wasn't it, at the end? I mean, relief not winning the title, because that's clearly going to happen. It could happen before they play again, in fact. But They've just got to get through matches like this and get some semblance of, of themselves back. Three three losses and three competitions in, in basically a week is going to harm any side. And now it's Atletico, and it's all about that. And they can pretty much focus on the Champions League if they, uh, if they want to. Uh, they don't look great. They actually weren't looking brilliant before they started losing. There was that game against Norwich that they just narrowly won. They've been slightly... Not, the, not their usual selves for a month and I, I fear for them slightly against Atletico I think I think that could be quite a difficult match How do you see that panning out Mina the Atletico game? It's an interesting one because I remember thinking JJ had said something about the fact that he just can't see any team in the world defeating them Yeah that really was the kiss of death for Liverpool <laughs> Yeah I feel like they anyway All but, part of the plan <laughs> And then I was like Pearson. And I had basically was talking to uh, a Spanish uh, correspondent and I said something similar and he was like yeah you know what but the one team that can is Atleti mm. and I was like why do you say that and he goes because they defend in a way and they're so irritating to play against that I feel like for a side that is a lot based on rock and roll and emotions that they won't that they might really come up you know not being able to do anything against the side so Atletico I, I don't know but I just feel like Atleti don't have that firepower that they need to score the goals against Liverpool but with Liverpool, I think there's something, it's weird. Like, are they this dependent on Jordan Henderson? Because I just feel like you take him out of the side and they seem a little bit soulless, even though Milner's there, like, giving yeah. you all the speeches and doing that goal line clearance. That's like, wow. Maybe not dependent. I think it's 
they drop the levels a little bit, which I think is natural when you don't have your like like the dog barking at you all the way through the game. It just makes people subconsciously rise their yeah. You know, they just raise their game a little bit. You work harder. It's it, you don't have to shout at you to make you do stuff. Like BT Sport had a little clip of um, James Milner doing it. All right, lads, into them from the start. I don't think that makes any difference to anyone. I always just tune out at Sunday League and people say but stuff yeah, like that. That's to the me. Reason that Come Fran- on, boys, from the start, you know, get in. I, I don't that, care. That's what they were trying to tell us that France won it because Pogba gave a little speech. I'm I like, know. yeah, right. I mean, I'm sure there are times. Cameras in the dressing room now. You see things <laughs> that have been going on for, for decades. That's for sure. Yeah. But the thing, I don't think that has much of an. Some people are probably influenced by that kind of stuff. But there's obviously different kinds of leadership. And Henderson is the one who charges about and does stuff. And, that, you know, he'll go in to get... Uh, if the game's not going the right way, Henderson will fly into a tackle, take someone out, and it's something the stadium goes, yes, we love that! And then it, it raises everyone. And that's the kind of thing that they may be missing. I wonder... With the, I think I think they'll beat Atletico Madrid. I think they're... They a should. Be, uh, they're a better they team should, than Atletico. Yeah. And Atletico, although they defended really well, they had that goal to defend the entire time. Without that, I think it would have been a different game. Because, uh, you know what I mean? Like you, You've got something more to, to dig into. And I think Diego Costa, if he can play, could uh, annoy the hell out of Van Dyke. Three red cards. It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's cookie and soul. Um, if they if they manage to take out the wing backs and force them again to use the midfield, which mm. they don't have at the moment to create something special, then I think that their supplier will be very limited going forward. And I don't know whether that will eventually... I, I just feel like it's the Champions League and they'll try really hard so I, I don't know how to do I feel like it's a game that Van Dijk's going to smash a header in from a cross from a set piece and then yeah. they're in the game and then Anfield becomes nuts Anfield, exactly yeah. it feels like a really big night for the famous Anfield atmosphere uh, let's move on to a still crisis club Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> Jose Mourinho very critical of Ndombele after the game JJ he says a player with his potential has to give us more than he is giving us especially when you see how Lucas Lacelso and those players are playing I was expecting more in the first half from him. Do you reckon, and this is something you learn on your coaching course, it's <laughs> ever worth singling out a player like that to the press? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think Josie Mourinho would probably know more about man management I won't, psychology I, I than I will me. not hear of that, <laughs> But he's been at this point on Dombley since he came in. Yeah, in fairness, he's, he, he, was, he has said plenty more generous things about him before seemingly just losing his temper this and weekend. And the other thing to think about is that when Spurs signed in Dombley, there wasn't a, a huge amount of clubs that were also really going in for him, which might be something to do with the we scouting. Well, I'm sure there's teams who are interested, but a lot of teams didn't, other teams didn't get him. I think if a bigger team had gone in for Dombley, they would have got him because there are bigger teams in Spurs that might be interested. It could be that there's something that they're scouting and they just don't like the way he acts in training sometimes. I don't, I don't know anything about it. This is um, just the, the thing with Mourinho and picking on players is he's done it repeatedly, but he always does it with one of the more lavishly talented players, Joe Cole at Chelsea, yeah. Hazard at Chelsea, Luke Juan Shaw Mata. as well, a little bit Juan Mata. So he does it when he thinks it's worth it with a player where there's something in there that he can really get out of them. But Italian, isn't that about the sort of player it is as well in those cases? Yeah. It's the players who... But he improved those we, players. Joe Cole was better that's true, the way that Mourinho Cole, went for him. You know, I remember he really went for Cole after a game at Stamford Bridge where he'd, he'd like made two goals and mm. done all these brilliant skills and he really went for him afterwards. It's He doesn't seem to like that flair aspect of, of a lot of players' Well, games. I don't think he likes pure flair on its own, does he? He needs a bit more than that. And then Dombele, he's played, he's, he's played 90 minutes four times this season and we're in March and two of those were against Red Star in the Europa League I mean you, you can't argue that he's shown what he's capable of yet and the thing is if you do it in public rather than if you do it in private I bet behind the scenes he's actually put an arm around him and he's saying like, you have all the skills set here to be a great player you've got it but then he doesn't do it and he calls him out in the press and it's sort of I wonder how much of it is um, self-protection being like I you know 
I think this boy can do this stuff and he's not doing it. But if I tell him in private, there's no reaction. But if I sort of humiliate him in the public sphere, maybe that's what gets the drive out of them. Because if these boys are focused on how they look and how they come across to others, that might be the, the way he gets into it. And it's his changing. Because I don't think he's done it so publicly before, has he? Listen, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Chris Wilder, right? But he did it with Dean Henderson. He was like, if mm. you want to play for United, dude, then you're going to need to raise the old game. Well, exactly. And then how come Mourinho gets criticised for the same This is what I mean. Thing, so yeah. I'm not going to be hypocrite here and be like, oh my God, I can't believe Mourinho did that. He's done that all his life. He did it with Pedro Leon when he was supposed to be this great talent that arrived at Real Madrid and Mourinho just basically was like he sucks I'm not going to play him no matter what, even if you put a bullet in my head it was it was almost like in stuff of like hyperbole at the time I mean he has been wrong before <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean he does you know and then he and he had these little fights where Casillas was out basically after like captaining Real Madrid for like 300 years but Ndombele has has had this criticism before and he is this kind of guy who he's a box-to-box midfielder the player that he was played next to the, the young one Skip I, I don't think that's the right player next to him. I think Los Also and perhaps another player in the likes of Dyer or whatever, maybe alongside them a little bit more, it, it would have been a little bit better. I think that he needs to be with someone who offers more of a creative role. He's a box-to-box guy. He's not going to be the guy that, like, he just, he's always been criticized for not caring against small sides. Right. He's like a Galactico who's like, who's a, he's a bit of a Real Madrid player. Like, oh, this is better. No one can be bothered. Oh, look, it's the Champions League. We're going to be champions, you know. He's that kind of guy, which is a little strange because he's come obviously from France and hasn't really had so many of these. But this is, it's almost like if you tell him, hey, listen, give me three, four good games and then I'll let you play against City. He might shine. Could also be that Mourinho, like when you play football manager too much, you'd start adding notes to your players to remember how they respond to that, certain types of praise or criticism. That is a, that is a low, JJ. <laughs> that is a sad, sad thing you've just confessed to there. I don't care. And uh, <laughs> I have notes on regens and new gens that don't oh, exist. Yeah. But then that way you can know when to praise them and when who responds better to praise, who responds better to that. And It, it must be that Mourinho suspects that Ndombele is going to be better when he's fired up and angry. And so I he makes two so. players angry. That's there, there are a lot of odd things going on with Mourinho at the moment, generally, like, small things that add up to more than they should be. So Jason Burt did a piece on the weekend mm. about how during penalties against Norwich, you've got the entire Spurs coaching staff, uh, medical staff, etc. on the touchline. Marino's on the dugout on his own. He's not part of that. He's just on his own. That is noticed by people at Spurs and that sort of stuff on its own is small. But when you add it up with lots of other things, it does add up to a It's man. like he's he knew they would lose. There. Sean Wright Phillips was really good on goals on Sunday. Uh, on, on Sunday. <laughs> and uh, he was talking about uh, Mourinho when he was playing for him under, at Chelsea and uh, talking about how I think he's, you know, some players you take under the arm, some players you would call out publicly and they were asking whether he's been part of that. And I think he said about Mourinho is that there was one game where he, t- he said he always seemed to be four days ahead of everyone else. So he came up to Son Wright Phillips and said, um, you're not going to play in this game. You're going to come on it when we're losing um, in the second half and we're going to draw and then we're going to win the next game. And it's exactly what happened. I mean, luck, right? Maybe there's a hundred or he, things, or he drew on purpose. Well, to- there's all these stories about Real Madrid when we wanted to lose certain games so that he could take it to the board and he could fire up this whole mentality thing. I mean, he's... I wouldn't genius. be that surprised, right? Yeah. Uh, he knows what he's doing. Maybe, maybe. Or maybe he's just miserable. <laughs> Hello. Sorry to interrupt your podcast. I just wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about another programme from The Telegraph. I'm Ben Riley smith the Daily Telegraph's US editor, and I've spent the last year exploring the scandal over links between Donald Trump and Russia for my new podcast, Crossfire. 
what I found was an extraordinary untold story that kept coming back to Britain. The big gorilla in the room was, would Trump want to meet Putin? Would Putin then meet Trump? And he said, uh, and in any case, the Russians might use some material that they have on Clinton. This is dangerous. This is really dangerous. I've been tracking down those directly involved, from Washington to Cambridge to Belgravia, to try and find out what really happened and what it can tell us about this year's election. So we're looking at the backdrop of Russia. We're looking at what they might be trying to do for our elections. Over six episodes, I will unpack it all, chunk by chunk, through the voices of those with direct knowledge. Most people didn't even want to talk to me. I'm a guy getting death threats. I'm a guy whose life has been totally turned upside down. I will tell you this, whoever it was, I hope they get punished for it. That's in Crossfire, available now wherever you downloaded this podcast. Let's rattle through the rest of the Premier League now. Chelsea sliced through Everton to win 4-0 on Sunday. What are you making of young Billy Gilmore, Mina? He's had an impressive start to life. Oh, he is. Future of Scotland. I thought you him and all the other centre midfielders <laughs> him and the centre midfielders and the left backs I, I was watching this thinking you must be going crazy um, wow he is a player um, he's a player because what I get really irritated about is watching teams or coaches or players who always try to do the complicated option but he's so good he he knows what the simple option is and he'll always go for that unless there's a better one So like, I think he makes the complicated thing look easy I think he does is, the complicated thing no, always for the lanes he, you're right he breaks lines and he takes midfielders away like he yeah. he knows how to do that but he also knows how to just do the simple thing he yeah. doesn't try to show off what he does show off is his intellect his intelligence is ridiculous ridiculous for someone his age um the way that he evades markers the way that okay so there's two choices here and then like when he saw Giroud it's like shall I go for this or shall I go for that and he'll choose the better option even if it's a little bit hard because he has that no fear sort of thing that he's playing with right now I don't know whether this is his age I don't know whether it is because he played now against Liverpool and Everton and Liverpool it was what the FA Cup um, and, and Everton were just ridiculously, shockingly bad. So I don't know how to judge this because in many ways, I don't know if there's been enough marking on him. He had a lot of space and time to dictate tempo, to choose the right option. Um, less so, I think, at times against Liverpool. But I, I do wonder whether now people have started talking about him playing against Bayern. And I'm like, let's just take it easy. Like, let's not just throw this sure, kid so no, to I mean, the ball. There's a lose in that game. Yeah, might as well I, play him and see how he gets But this on. is another thing. Then, yeah, well, well, you have to see what your priority is there. Do, do you want to raise your youth or do you want to try to win against Bayern? Um, if you are trying to, like, give these guys a moment, then I do think it's worthwhile playing him. But I also don't want to inundate him already with all these things. Like, let's just say he gets something wrong and, and maybe that might affect the fact that right now he's playing with a lot of confidence and then he'll lose that. Uh, and then I don't want to see that. Good for something to go wrong because it's just a bit of reality. I mean, I'm sure the boy's level-headed. He's, he's only playing for Rangers two years ago in the youth team. Like he's yeah. 18 just. But in that game, then on the weekend, he played as a six from the start, and then moved into an eight later on in the game. It's one thing Lampard talked about was how uh, he was really impressed with how he had adjusted to that two separate roles because he's meant to be really a ten or one of the. He can play as one of the wide forwards, cuts inside. 
But oh, really? He's meant to be a, a kind of attacking midfielder, but I, you can see that he's so suited to the six. Yeah. And I think he's much better defensively than Jorginho. I think he screens it better. He reminds me a lot of Fabregas when he first broke through at Arsenal. It just is like really? that. Just yeah. a player coming in who seems <laughs> fully formed immediately. Yeah. They're, they're, and I know it's a very small sample size with Gilmore, but I remember when Fabregas sort of broke into that invincible side, it was like, this This can't be possible. You can't be this good that young. And watching Gilmore's the same sort of thing. And Fabregas is his idol and they, they do know each other from their time at Chelsea. Right? There's a, Such an exciting moment yeah. for a fan when that happens. Let's talk about Arsenal, Julian, your team. Unbeaten in eight, but Arsenal seem pretty good now. Modern Arsenal, post-Wenger, at putting these sorts of runs together without at any point looking particularly good. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty underwhelming, unbeaten run. And of course, it doesn't include Olympiacos, uh, which was a, a, an utterly <laughs> disastrous uh, game and a reversion to Emery Ball. Um, Arsenal ha- were outshot by West Ham. West Ham had 14 shots to Arsenal's nine on the weekend. That's one game of the last 10 at home. Arsenal have had more shots than the opposition. So they're very much scraping through every single time. But there is a bit more steel there. I mean, you can see Arteta has an actual plan that is is based around pressing from the front, being a little bit more solid in, in midfield and actually getting good performances out of people like Mustafi and David Luiz, who's been excellent recently. Uh, you wonder how far it's going to take them. I mean, Arsenal are making sure they've not got other commitments. Europa League now, not a concern. Uh, <laughs> but you would say the top five is actually not out of reach. They're what not do, too far adrift. What do you think is success at the end of the season? They're in ninth at the moment. What would what would placate the fans? Uh, I think you have to get into the Europa League. I think financially, as much as anything else, a season out of Europe would be an utter disaster. Champions League, incredibly unlikely. Uh but you have to remember how bad and how broken that team was when Arteta came in. It was much worse then than even the dog days of Wenger, I think. It was it was completely broken. Arteta, I said last week, he wondered whether a relegation fight was a possibility. You didn't think it was likely, but you actually wouldn't have ruled it out at that point. It really was <laughs> that bad with the quality of players that Arsenal had. It was broken in, in basically every way. Arteta has changed the mood. Uh, a good FA Cup run, Sheffield United away in the next round. But if they can get to the semi-final or the final, get is seventh maybe enough for Europe this season, six possibly, that would be that would be a very good return considering how things were. What about Sheffield United, JJ? Dean Henderson was brilliant for them at the weekend against Norwich. Who should be starting in goal for England at the Euros? Should it be Pope, Pickford or the aforementioned Dean Henderson? Uh, I think Nick Pope. Because his statistically, he's one of the better keepers in the, the Premier League this season. I don't have anything to hand that I can tell you. Or I should have done, but uh, I know he's. <laughs> <laughs> I know that he's. I think he's also. He just seems to be a good goalkeeper, and he is a bit older, a bit more ex- experience of playing certain situations, knows how to react from mistakes. Dean Henderson, I think, is really, really good. I don't know enough about goalkeeping to possibly tell you, but I'd know for a fact that Jordan Pickford should not be England's number one. <laughs> well, I think it'll be really fun. Like, let's just say it's a boring game, then you don't know what he might do in goal. You Pickford. Know? Yeah. yeah. What about Alex McCarthy? He was really good for Southampton. I know he's a bit old. He's all right. Sounds yeah. have been trying to replace him for about three years. Yeah, you? okay. I mean, I, it was just that one good performance, and I'm like, huh? Fraser Forster's doing all right at Celtic. He yeah, I like him a lot. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I think Pickford is just quite entertaining. He has moments of brilliance and moments of madness. Yeah, I don't know if that's the uh, thing you want to be basing your team selection on. Though. Like, oh, it's, he's quite entertaining. Yeah, he's going to be entertaining. He's scored loads of goals and can see. Yeah, like Pickford's, yeah, uh, Pickford's, just... uh, Pickford's big um, asset was that he can kick a ball 400 miles up the pitch. So you can, rather than having to play it from the back, you can suddenly launch it and you can launch it? Launch yeah, you it. can launch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can he launch it straight and get a goal? That would be wonderful. He could, I think Pickford could definitely score from his own box. Yeah, right? Really see? To. 
added it, weapon. Yeah. Exactly. What you want is something a bit calmer, I think. <laughs> Finally, Mina, three wins in three for Crystal Palace, who saw off Watford down at Selhurst on Saturday. Roy Hodgson has signed for another year as their manager. Would you be happy if you're a Palace fan with that? Are they a team who should just be sticking at the moment, or would you be wanting someone else to come in and for the new era to start there? No way. I would want him to stay because I don't really know what is an upgrade on Roy Hodgson at the moment that's available. Um, that would offer me the same guarantees considering the squad that I have. I don't know whether I'm going to keep Zaha. The fact that I use all of a sudden, sorry, uh, I, like the world's greatest forward. So I don't know. I just feel you, you just feel like he's safe. You know, he always does enough. Um, I know that people want to see these great projects being launched all the time, but it's it's not always going to happen for every team unless you're willing to invest a lot of money. Yeah, been burnt before as well, haven't they, Palace, by trying the hip new thing with Frank de Boer and didn't pan out well. <laughs> I mean, he yeah, is those... like the world's worst coach, though. <laughs> yeah, and that, like, that test period of four games or something like that. Yeah. Wasn't that what it was? Bad bad scene. God, remember all. him at Inter. <laughs> Should we talk about the coronavirus a little bit? We are expecting some guidance today from the government about uh, what should happen with large gatherings of people. Um Julian, you're editing a paper at the moment and presumably slightly worried about filling it if everything gets cancelled. But what are we expecting from this today, uh, given that uh, the loyal audio football club fans may already know about what uh, the government has said by the time they hear this episode? Well, the idea is whether we might get a bit more guidance on games behind closed doors. But to be perfectly honest, at the moment, we don't know exactly what they're going to say, but I don't think they've, they've quite worked it out. Even this morning, before we've recorded, quite a few Champions League games are going to be behind closed doors. Uh, not football, but we're expecting the final round of Six Nations to be called off imminently. It is going to seem slightly strange, even the idea in two weeks, you have 80,000 at Old Trafford, 60,000 at the Emirates, Stamford Bridge, so on. It doesn't seem like it's practical going forward, but this is evolving very quickly. In terms of how worried I am about filling the paper, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to become a concern, <laughs> I think it's fair to say. Uh, I mean, yeah, one of my, my jobs is to, to plan uh, our paper, and last week we had 29 pages of rugby. That's now gone. Uh, for example, uh, so we're going to have a lot of a lot of features, uh, yeah. a lot of interviews. Great time for JJ Ball. Great time for JJ Ball. All the ideas <laughs> All the JJ's been pitching for uh, for months are going to get eight thousand uh, words on Football Manager, play. please. Derek is deconstructed. <laughs> JJ has pitched an esports idea to me this morning, which I think is well, great timing. Great timing. It's, it's fascinating to see what they do. I mean, the idea of games behind closed doors. Do they have the same meaning, same jeopardy? Juventus it's really funny. So we're on Europe. Looks like Germany. Today they've announced something about not having France. Uh, the health said, ministers said uh, that no more than a thousand yeah, people in sure. one place or something to right. that effect. Uh, the one interesting wrinkle in this is there's an idea they might stop over seventies from coming to football matches, which would of course mean Roy Hodgson can't manage Palace. Wow! Oh my God, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, what if they did that for politics in America? Then there'd be no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Getting slightly off topic, let's have some music and a song for Europe. So, Mina, big behind-closed-doors game in Italy on Sunday night. Juve versus Inter. Uh, is this the end of the excitement? Are Juve just going to romp to the title from here, do we think, after that 2-0 victory? No, there's Lazio. It's just that I'm so glad that Antonio Conte was exposed for the fraud that he is. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, listen, I think that uh, this was a very interesting game because going into it, I was terrified. We know that Antonio Conte has created something really magical with Inter this season. Um and this was going to be behind closed doors. And you just feel like Juve are only ever really good when they're playing at home in front of their own fans. And you thought that they would have booed 
Antonio Conte, emotions would have gotten the better out of him. And then he wouldn't have been able to scream as far and, and loudly as he usually does. And then it was like, okay, now he's behind closed doors. So no one was going to boo him. Everything was going to be hunky-dory for him. But instead, I don't know what happened, but Maurizio Sarri decided to drop Pjanic, who is basically his Jorginho in the squad, and went for a more dynamic midfield, decided to play with, you know, Ramsey, Bentancor and Matuidi, and uh, put Douglas Costa up front. And honestly speaking, this is probably the best game they've played. And it's interesting how Juventus raised their game against better opponents. Maybe they are like Ndombele. They just don't care about these smaller sides. And what it is faced with a with a big opponent that they're willing to show you the best of themselves. But this is a very, it was a very exciting game. I don't know whether there's a part of me that just thinks it's Inter, right? Every time they play a quality opponent, they've only beaten a top five side once this season in Serie A. Um, you saw what they did in the Champions League. It's just they're all about intensity and running at 200 kilometers per hour, which is always an Antonio Conte side. But face them with quality and knowing how to possess the ball and knowing how to create chances, and they fall apart. Is Ramsey starting to make an impact? Yeah, it's interesting. You know what? Because I didn't like him very much when he arrived. Um, but what I think is so good about him is that they played him as a trequartista, which is the man in the hole, sort of behind the two forwards. And he came out and was like, okay, listen, I'm really bad in this role. <laughs> like, um, I, and, and I love that he came out and said, like, I want to play in the three in midfield because I have these weaknesses. I need to know how to navigate and I need to see a lot of the pitch. I don't want to just be so close to the goal. And he's admitted his weaknesses in a way that a lot of players don't. They just try to adapt. But he did it and he was like, listen, I really can't do it. He's also, he's getting more regular game time. So you can see him sort of finding a rhythm and a flow. So it's certainly a lot better. I mean, if there was a, a, a midfielder that I wanted to get rid of, it was him and Rabiot, but now it's just Rabiot. Take that, Rabiot. What about in Palma? <laughs> Drama in Palma, it says here. Their game was postponed by 75 minutes. What happened there? Okay, so this is the interesting thing. So now there's a red zone. So we, we have a red zone in Italy, which is basically it's a lockdown now. And all this 14 regions in the north of Italy you can't go into or you can't exit. And you, you only go to unless you have a special permission for work. Special permission of work obviously includes footballers. And they've locked it down on Saturday night. Then the players union came out and was like, listen, this is, we shouldn't be playing games at the moment because like players are still having to go and stay in hotels and ride in buses that take them to the games. And it's scary at the moment to be going to these places, you know, especially the Lombardia region, which is where Milan is, for example. And it's just not fair to put them under this. Balotelli came out and said, listen, you know, it's already hard enough because I don't I don't live near my children. But I have lunch with my mother every single day. And I or like whatever I eat with her at once a, a day. And she's old and I don't want to have to bring any illnesses to her. So, you know, we're still human beings and I'm not here just to entertain you guys. I would like to live um, and I would like my family to live too. And I don't want to be under pressure. So they were like, OK, so let's. You know, the Ministry of uh, the Minister of Sport agreed with this and was like, you know what, maybe we should cancel all games going forward. But because they've already released a government decree that said all games were going to go ahead behind closed doors, it was like massive confusion. So then it was the Lega, which is the league, versus, you know, <laughs> basically the Minister of Sport and the Players Association having this massive, you know, like conversation before the Spal Par before the Parma Spal game. And it was delayed, obviously, for 75 minutes until finally they agreed it would go ahead. But it's most likely after Tuesday when they have this huge meeting that all games going forward would be cancelled. 
disappointing and bad news for a song for Europe if that happens. What about over Especially in Spain? Especially if Lazio don't win it just because there's coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very unfair. Um, but safety first. Yes. What about in Spain? Messi saved Barcelona with a late penalty, but they did struggle a little bit against uh, Real Sociedad. <laughs> oh my god please say that again I almost <laughs> well, want to record it, it and it's it. got to be my ringtone um, <laughs> this is the thing at the moment uh, it's amazing how no matter how many players they buy no matter what they construct in this team they're still relying on Messi to carrying them forward and I mean you know Braithwaite created a lot of chances in the first half which kind of tells you everything this is a guy that right from Legan is but they are still so dependent on Messi to carry them forward Kike Setien it's you know, based on the Classico, they, this, it's not working out. And you wonder what what is going on behind closed doors? Is this really the team that you guys envisaged when you spent all that money? It just seems like there's no, nothing going forward. But then you look at Real Madrid and things are not exactly going very well there because once again, they just, they seem to only switch it on in the big games and they didn't even switch it on, switch it on against City. So um, Zidane, rip them apart in his post-match, took a lot of the blame for this. They are without Hazard, you know, bails in and out of the team. Cruz hasn't always been around and, like, he needs him to be because he relies on him so much. And I think that, you know, there is a, a lack of a Galactico, really, that can help them. Do they, when do they have those, like, presidential elections or that for Real Madrid? When does that happen again? Real Madrid, I don't know actually, but for Barcelona, they might have to call one soon because the fans are going right? absolutely crazy. So there's noises about uh, Pochettino still being uh, unemployed and just chilling out, and Harry Kane may, might want to consider his future. If he enjoys, quotes. but where would Pochettino? It's almost too perfect. Where would Pochettino go? Is my question well, because Real Madrid, I just feel like <laughs> I feel like United would really. Uh... Why would they get rid well, of Solskjaer? Moment, Solskjaer looks... Yeah. Do you guys think he's going to be odds on to stay? Considering yeah, that'll that be their pot- plan. Yeah, he's he's building something. He knows what he's doing. He's got a really good coach team around him. Tactically, knows what he's doing. There's no, I don't think he. There's some managers that come across and come along and have some grand master plan like Pep Guardiola or yeah. or Conte, something like that. Someone who can change a, a team like that. But United's never really about that. It's about building something in a, and fostering a mentality and building that way. And then it's just if you have the better players, the better mentality, and work harder, then they win a lot. And I think that's what Man United are building towards. Until they get five games into the next season, they lose them all and then shift again. <laughs> I mean, imagine if Pogba comes back, they'll be a wonderful to watch. Yeah, it'd be really interesting with Pogba amongst mm. Fernandes, wouldn't it? Looking forward to that. Let's finish off with this question, which we put to our friends on social media. Ronaldinho detained in Paraguay this weekend with claims that he had a fake passport. So we have taken the opportunity to ask social media's favourite question, who is the biggest fraud in football? Uh, I've got three answers here. If you can name any of them, I'll give you a point, uh, which will exist only for this podcast and we'll never talk about it again. Julian, what have you got? Well, rather than who is, I sort of went slightly for what was, which is Ali Deer. I mean, there is a man who basically talked his way into playing in the Premier League uh, for Southampton back in the late 90s, the sort of claim of being George Weah's cousin. I mean, I don't think that's ever going to be beaten. I think that's sort of such a perfect story being hauled off again after 20 minutes that you you can't better that. Lay down the challenge, Julian. What have you got, Mina? Well, I'm trying to see his... um the honours that he's won but it's got to be Danilo who went from Real Madrid to Manchester City and is now at Juventus and this guy is just picking up trophy after trophy playing for the biggest clubs and I just feel like he doesn't actually ever play or contribute anything to these sides as much as he needs to to win them 
but he's won um, La Liga, the UEFA Champions League twice, the Super Cup, the FIFA World Cup, the Premier League twice, the FA Cup. Um, you know, uh, he's going to win Serie A probably this season. The, it, it, it's crazy. And then when you see how many times he plays, most of the time it's like 11 appearances. Who was that Who was that fellow who, was, who just kept winning stuff because he was Ibrahimovic's mate and he went uh, Max Maxwell. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, I yeah, like Max. He was quite good. Though, he always it? comes up in those sporkle quizzes. Yeah. It's always Maxwell. Remember that. <laughs> who have you got, JJ? Uh, there's a book that came out in a film, I think it was last year or year before, but Carlos Kaiser is brilliant. This guy, an actual fraudster, a con man, <laughs> who uh, was semi-decent at football, um, but not good enough really to make a, a career out of it. And so made a career by pretending, by like faking photographs of people like Romario, pretending to be their best mate, so he could live out in the clubs and hang out with women and then go and turn up for training and be mysteriously injured to the point where he would go to, uh, he signed for Ajaccio, a as like we see them in France. He went there and then at the presentation, I think it was there, it might be in another club he was at, but at the presentation, uh, he realised they brought a load of footballs along for him to do keepy-ups with to entertain the crowd to show his skills. But he realised that anyone who sees actual technique in a, in a stadium <laughs> might not uh, might see through the disguise. So he picked every single ball up and punted every single one into the crowd. Wandered off and got a muscle injury, it's great. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, that was the view shared by Bio on Twitter, who said uh, Carlos Enrique Raposo. This is literally the correct answer. I think it was Rob Smythe who wrote that book, wasn't he? Well worth reading. Uh, Anders says Maurizio Pochettino, and Andrew says Lionel Messi, afraid of a challenge. Well done, Andrew. <laughs> If, like me, you're very interested in football but recklessly uninterested in grown-up things like news, politics or business of different sorts, I've got some excellent news for you. As a listener to Audio Football Club, you can now get 50% off the price of a sport-only subscription to The Telegraph. That will allow you to read every article by our team of brilliant football writers like, for example, JJ Bull or Jim White or Jamie Carragher, even Sam Wallace, Jason Burt, Matt Law. They're all here and it's just £20 for the year down from the normal price of £40 that will even get you access to all the rest of our fantastic sports writing in an Olympic year no less who knows maybe you'll even end up liking windsurfing you have until this Sunday the 15th of March to access this special offer to sign up head to www.telegraph.co.uk forward slash AFCT or click on the link in the show notes fairly sure windsurfing isn't actually in the Olympics that's all for this week you can contact me on Twitter before next week if you like it's at Tom with an H Gibbs Send us an email too. You have the means. The address is afcpodcast.telegraph.co.uk and we'll read out the best of what you send us. Don't forget to subscribe to Audio Football Club. Why haven't you done it yet? I'm very disappointed in you. Look for Audio Football Club wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Joel Grove on the buttons and thanks to you for your company. I'll talk to you again soon. Listener.